Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. On this episode, we're going to talk about music. Uh, More specifically, we're going to talk about when the music died. Now, you may be listening or watching on YouTube and think, well, damn, when, when did music die? Well, the version of music that we have today is vastly different from the way music was 15, 20, 25 years ago. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about some things that maybe some of you not really familiar with, with file sharing and bootlegging and the streaming and all of that good stuff, but just talk about the music. So uh, to talk about music, I had to get this guy on. He's been on here before, a friend of the show. Uh, he he blessed us on the um, HBCU podcast, which was uh, really, really dope. In fact, I think he was, a, he was the first person I actually interviewed for that podcast, which was uh, my favorite podcast of that year. Uh, no stranger to the show, the host of the Vault Classic Reviews music podcast, my man B. Cox is in the building. B. Cox, what's going on, man? Yo, 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 Kyle, man. I appreciate you for having me on. And uh, shout out to everybody out there, all the listeners, man. Definitely, we know Kyle. Um, I am a friend of the show. Kyle is a friend of my show as well. Kyle has done a couple of reviews with me last year. This last year, we did two reviews, one for Outcast, AT Aliens, and also did Stakes is High with De La Soul. And actually, man, you don't know, that De La Soul episode is still consistently in my top five of listens, man, all the time. They were, wow. Yeah, so, <laughs> so so we did something dope there, man. So I'm gl- I'm pumped to come and talk about this. And this is something that I have firsthand experience with based on the time that I came up in and acquiring music because I have the best of both worlds. I went through the analog way, and then I went through this new way. So I'm, I'm, I'm psyched to talk about it. No doubt, no doubt. Well, you you guys can tell we got a, a true music head here on here. If you haven't listened or heard his podcast before, and we're gonna definitely talk about his podcast and where you can find him uh before we get out of here. But um, let's take it back, man. I, I full disclosure, I'm a little bit older than B Cox, just a slow, little slow bit. bit. <laughs> just slow a bit. little bit. But um, <laughs> but yeah, we both of us huge music heads, and uh man, it, it's funny before actually before we even get started, man, I want to congratulate you because by the time most of our listeners will hear this, you guys will be at 100 episodes of the Vault right. Classic Music Reviews podcast, man. Before we get started, man, talk to talk to talk to us about what that feels like, man. 100 episodes, man. That's that's yeah. a, that's a major accomplishment. Yeah, thanks, man. It's it's been cool because like, you know, I started this almost two and a half years ago and I've been wanting to do a podcast. I tell people since 2006, you know, when I worked in a radio station, I worked at Radio One with a partnership between Radio One and XM. And I was a tech producer. I worked the boards and I would basically, you know, record the shows. I would work the shows and basically do the show clips and everything else. Um, I want to do a podcast since then. I finally got one started and I wanted to do something about music because and I based it off of my times of speaking with music about music with my friends at the lunch table in high school. And that's really what the vault is. We used to sit there and debate about music, talk about the things that came out, what albums we like, what tracks we like, which artists we liked. And, you know, we've been doing this for two and a half years. I've had a few bonus segments, but now we're actually at episode number 100. And it's it's crazy, man. I just got to thank everybody for who supported it. Like I got listeners in places that I've never been before, which is right. wild. And I've heard <laughs> from people in countries right. that I've never been before. So right. it definitely opens your eye to let you know that, you know, when you're passionate about doing something and if you love what you do, then it's not work. And so for me, this show has been a pleasure to do and to welcome on and be, you know, have guests with 
you know, yourself, people like the professor, uh, Nathan Rideau, uh, folks like Charlie D of Word and Mother podcast, you know, uh, uh, DNT of the improperly, uh, the um, perfectly imperfect couple podcast, you know, D, uh, uh, Uche and QD of ill-advised wise guys. I've met a lot of dope people doing this pod, man. So, and all the other supporters through our Twitter crew that's on there throughout the day, way too many of them to know to name, but shout out to all of them, you know what I'm saying? Jay, you know, Mike OTR, Tam- Tamara, all of them, you know, they're all like really dope content creators, but it's been a cool journey, man. I'm looking forward to continuing it. No doubt, no doubt, man. A hundred is that's a, that's saying a lot, man, because you and I both know a lot of people don't they don't get past 10 <laughs> when yeah. it comes to episodes. Oh man, so. yeah, <laughs> to yeah, get, to get on yeah. 100 is something you're really saying something at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the music, man, uh, let's go back, let's go back to the mid 90s. Um, when you were consuming music, and I know you you always talk about on the podcast about how you get you got a lot of your music from your older sisters mm-hmm. uh but h- how did you get music was it just from your older sisters did you go to record stores and buy your music or you know when did you you know how, how did you consume it like that well man mostly the times that i consumed music when i was a kid elementary school age most of it was through my parents speakers you know okay. and if it wasn't in my parents speakers through uh, you know, a 45 or a 12 inch record back in the day, way, way back in the day. Yep, yep. Then eventually it was through a tape deck or eventually a CD player. My dad had a nice around sound system that, you know, he'd put in the basement. Then it was in the, in my sister's cars going on the way to go shopping, haircuts, whatever. And then hanging around with my cousins and being around them and their systems. And then right around 94, 95, when I started, you know, having my job cutting grass is when I started being able to buy music myself. And for that, it was a little bit of a tricky thing because I had to buy music that more often than not had parental advisory stickers on them. So I had to sometimes hide what I was buying and bring it into the house. Now, um, I would get a lot of things dubbed from my sisters. Like, yo, we had a, a joint on the vault about the legend of the blank tank tape. Yo, let me get a dub. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my music up until I would say high school was of dubbed music, whether it was CDs or tapes. And then when I started buying music around 94, 95, when I was in middle school, then it became a trade-off of buying and then also getting dubs, whether it was from my sisters or from friends in school. By the time I was in high school, it was in full swing. So I mentioned the shoebox that I had of tapes. Well, then that shoebox became like two or three shoeboxes of CDs and tapes. And then I started buying music more the more money I started making because it was like, yeah, the dubs are cool, man. But eventually you want to have your own copies. Mm -hmm. And so then I went from the shoebox to the book. Everybody had if you if you had CDs, you had a book. You had to have the book, you know, and you would flip through the pages and try to find whatever it was you were looking for. Stick it in that CD player in the house or in the car. More than likely was the car. And then you ride and can keep going. So that's how I consume music back then in the day, man. That led me up all the way until about high school. And then and then I went away to college and brought my books and my shoeboxes, all of them up there with me, with my with my stereo. And so I was planning on being able to you know, consume music that way. You know, mm-hmm. had a Walkman, but eventually upgraded the Walkman to a Discman. So, yeah, that, that's how I consumed my music back then in those days, you know. As many of us did, you know, oh, no it was, question. you know, you stay with a Walkman and stay with a Discman and everybody who had either that shoebox, some folks had the fancy tape deck, the one you could stack them up. <laughs> yes, I didn't have yes. that. I had shoeboxes, man. That was it. Mm-hmm. 
Oh man, you taking me back. It, it, it's funny because like, I remember all of that era of, you know, how you purchased your, purchased your music. Um, for me, I, like I said, I was, I'm, a, I'm slightly older than Beacocks. So mm-hmm. in the mid nineties, I'm at, I'm at South Carolina state university in college. And I just remember like, you know, having a little bit of money and I would, you know, I would buy CDs or whatever like that. Cause I went from, you know, cassette tapes to CDs. Uh, the first, and I mentioned on this podcast, it's worth repeating. The first CD that I bought was uh, uh, TLC's uh, album, um, Crazy Sexy Cool. Sexy cool. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that was after, after I bought that CD, I was like, I was hooked. Um, I was buying CDs left and right whenever I could. And then, mm-hmm. you know, just like anything else, you know, you're in college, you know, HBCU campus, mm-hmm. you know, money's <laughs> not really there, you know, so. Uh, you know, and, and I'm not, we're not going to dry snitch on ourselves on here, even though the statute of limitations probably passed by now, you know, I did, <laughs> I may or may not have a, have a friend that may have worked at a record store and mm. I may have, you know, gone to the record store and he may have, you know, uh, I may have paid for one and he may have put, you know, I don't know, two, three, five, seven, you know, in a bag. You know, mm-hmm. Maybe, I don't know that, that maybe. possibly, possibly. Possibly. Yeah. I'm, my, my memory's kind of foggy. I'm getting old. So, <laughs> so I, I accumulated quite a few CDs, you know, back mm-hmm. in that time uh, like that, because, you know, CDs and stuff at that particular time, you know, you start talking about 95, 96, you know, music was so, it was so dope, but it's like, mm-hmm. had to have it. Like there was something, yeah. and you guys talk about this all the time on your podcast, there was something dope coming out every other week. Yeah. And you know, it wasn't like, you know, where how it is now where music was so readily available at, at your fingertips. You know, when you bought if trust me, if you purchase something for $8.99, you're gonna play that joint forever. Like it, it wasn't no, oh man, I'm I'm done with the CD. No, you're gonna play it because you invested your money and your time into it. Yeah. Um, you know, now if we go back even further, uh, well, actually around that time, even into the I would say these early 2000s uh bootlegging was you know pretty <laughs> pretty heavy oh, yeah. uh, you grew up in the dmv uh yeah uh, metro dc area um mm-hmm. pg county um, yes, sir. so were there any bootleg spots in pg county that you may or may not have visited well yeah absolutely <laughs> i mean every time any place where my barber sold hmm Excuse me. Anywhere where my barber cut gotcha. bootleg tapes, CDs were being sold. And mm-hmm. it didn't help that in some places where he was at in mall called PG Plaza. Now it's called the Mall of Prince George's, though it's still PG Plaza, Capital yeah. Plaza, where, <laughs> where my barber cut at. There was also a store in there called PA Palace. And those of y'all who listen to my, you know, Man. Legend of the Blank tape and also record released Tuesdays. PA Palace is the one that sold the majority of the Gogo Band tapes, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, ironically enough, in these two barber shops and these two malls where my barber mostly cut, I would say in the early to mid 90s, there was always a presence of not only PA Palace, but then also somebody there selling bootleg tapes too. So, anywhere where I went to a barber shop, without, I mean, Landover Mall, PG Plaza, Capital Plaza, there were always people there selling bootleg stuff. And, you know, hey, the barber shop is notoriously one of the best places and you know this to be able to acquire bootlegged material Mm -hmm. and you know you because you have no ending supply of customers throughout the day especially if it's a weekend 
Friday, Saturday, you know, guys and, you know, even some ladies going there to go get their hair cut. And, uh, you know, people already at that time, this is around the time, you know, when people, nobody was paying with cards in barbershops. No, I mean, no, no. you know, this, this <laughs> whole thing with people paying with cards and barbershops <laughs> now is a phenomenon that probably just started, I want to say somewhere in the mid aughts. I mean, probably mm-hmm. really even in this decade, the last decade. And uh, but that's, back then, everybody who went to the barbershop was paying with cash. You know, your barber was taking cash. So if you had to pay with cash, then you more than likely had, if you were, your, your hat, haircut back then was like maybe, you know, $10. If you yeah. were getting a shape up back then, maybe it was $5. So you always brought more money than you needed to. Mm-hmm. So hey, if you brought maybe a 20 bucks and your haircut's 10 bucks, you tip your barber maybe five bucks, maybe even 10. You might roll with maybe 20 or $30 in your pocket, that extra 10. If there's two tapes there that you want to buy and the bootleg man has them, <laughs> let me go ahead and let you slide you that 10 and get those two tapes man mm-hmm. and so that's the way it was now i didn't really buy too many bootleg things um when i did i did it when my sister would drop me off at the barbershop and then come back and come get me okay because she didn't want me buying bootleg stuff she was like either i'm gonna burn it for you or you're or i'm gonna buy it for you yep. but you're not gonna give him money for that music but a couple of times <laughs> I did actually reach in my pocket when she was there and said, yo, let, let me get that, uh, that method, man. Let me get that, that Raekwon. Let me get that, whatever. And mm-hmm. I, a couple of times I did boy. And you know, I had to, you know, sort of sneak the tape in my pocket as I was leaving and then pull it out when I got back to the crib, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, the bootleg guys were always there. Barbershops. Yeah, man. It's like, you know, endless supply of customers. Why wouldn't you go there? Yeah. So man. yeah, you're right. You're right. It, it, all facts. It, it was the same way in South Carolina. I had the same experiences, even when I moved here to Atlanta. Like you said, mm. barbershops, that's where they definitely were. There were there were record stores and stuff like that would sell, but then you'd always have somebody somewhere around the way, hey man, I got this such, 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 you know, like that. So it was always somebody trying to hustle something. Um, mm-hmm. Much like you, I didn't really buy a lot of bootleg tapes. And the reason being was that I just remember getting a couple of CDs and the quality just didn't sound the way that I mm. wanted it to sound. And yeah. I was just like, yo, if I'm going to spend, you know, $5, yeah, okay, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. this CD costs $10 in the store. This Jay-Z CD costs $10 in the store. I got it for 5 It don't sound the same. I might as well mm-hmm. pay the 10 you know, because I go. wanted to bump in my Nissan Sentra. You know what I'm saying? Of course, <laughs> so, of course, yeah. So, um, but yeah, bootlegging was very prevalent uh, back in the day. And it was, it was, it was a way to, you know, like you said, you know, the customers, you know, as far as the fans were concerned, we could readily get to the music. It was quick. And, mm-hmm. you know, the thing that kept the bootleggers in, you know, in business was that you knew that they were almost never going to sell out. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked about it on the podcast once before how like, you know, and, and you guys touched on it, too, on when the music came out on Tuesdays in some places, if you did not get that particular CD, that hot CD that was coming out. If you didn't get it the day that it dropped or maybe two days after it dropped, you ran the risk of not getting it at all. So, I mean, yeah. like, I know people that, you know, the chronic came out and it was heavily, I mean, like you couldn't go anywhere on South Carolina state's campus without hearing the chronic, but I know mm-hmm. people who didn't get it the first week that it came out and it was mm-hmm. sold out everywhere, not just record stores, but everywhere. So, you know, yeah. you, it sucked to be them. So now you're sitting there, you're walking around and you're calling the record store, hey man, y'all got that chronic. It's like, wow, we mm-hmm. might get another shipment in on Monday, you know, right. but it's but it's Thursday and you gotta wait, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was bootleggers, you know, th- they did their thing, and you know, it was 
it was what it was. I'll just put yeah. it like that. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and the bootleggers didn't just sell music either. They sold movies too. And they would movies. sell the most the jankiest copies of movies ever. Like like some of the bootleg movies, like literally, you see people standing up and walking mm-hmm. like it's in the theater. You hear audience laughter in the background. It's just like, yo, man, this is somebody literally. A nigga walked into the theater with a camera and sat there and kept it inside of his jacket and sat right. there and, and filmed it at the top, at the very top level of seats to get the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But they because there were that. no cell phones. There were no cell yeah. phones back then. It wasn't no cell phones back then, man. So people would sit there and buy these bootleg movies and they would be the worst quality. But if you really wanted to see it, you pay the five. Mm-hmm. To buy nope. the bootleg Eight tape, to five. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the five to $10 to get the bootleg tape. Now, back then, the movies weren't that expensive. No. But if you could buy something for five or $10 and watch it over and over and over again, then you and would share do it. With your friends. Yeah, and share, and share with your friends. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the bootleg guy served a, many a purposes for us, man. It was if you needed a copy of something, you knew it was coming out, you get it at a discounted price. And then if you were looking to buy something, see, and the thing about the bootleg guys that he knew many different things. He sold, you know, CDs and tapes, but he could yeah. pretty much tell you where to get almost anything else. It <laughs> seems like too, man, facts, you know, facts. everything, everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Now, as we moved and transitioned into the two thousands, you know, file sharing became a thing. And I, and you know what, man, I can't even really pinpoint when it happened. I mm-hmm. think I was, for me, it was somewhere around, 2000 you know uh not late 99 early 2000 for me um what were your first memories of file sharing and was there a particular you know cd or album that you made because what happens is kids and let me just explain for you real quick uh what would happen would be (laughs) uh i would have a song let's say i would have i don't know um let's just say snoop dogg i would have snoop dogg's latest album on my computer on my hard drive I would log into a file sharing site, whether it be Kazaa or LimeWire or whatever, mm-hmm. and anybody in the world, including B. Cox, could log into that same thing. And if they see that I have Snoop Dogg new album on my computer, he could then tap into my computer through that file sharing place and yeah. download it from my computer. So yeah. I'm doing exactly that, file sharing. So he's able to get Snoop Dogg's new album without even speaking to me, without even mm-hmm. compensating me, and more importantly, we're not even compensating Snoop in this process, exactly, or the record companies. But I just wanted to kind of, you know, give paint the picture a little bit. Uh, what What was your first memories of file sharing? Man, so right around the time when the file sharing revolution got in the full swing, I was in college. Okay, okay. Now, talk in, about meeting at the Morgan State University, Baltimore, Maryland. There you go, <laughs> Charm City. John yes, City. Um, so at Morgan State, man, and right, we're in the middle of right on the back end of the dot com bubble bursting. Mm. And, you know, this dot com bubble, for those of you, was right around the late 90s, where so many different internet startup companies happening. And then eventually the market over leveraged itself and these companies burst and they went broke. Um, and so when I was in high school, really, that's when Napster started. And mm-hmm. Napster was really the first popular, I would say, for public consumption file sharing site that was out there. That was the market disruptor. That was the one that got everybody in the music industry, got the RIAA, got Dr. Dre and Metallica and so many different other people's got their underwear in a bunch mm-hmm. because 
You mean to tell me that people are putting music on the internet and they're getting it for free? And let's not even talk about the record companies. So in high school, basically Napster comes out. I get to Morgan, the fall of 2000. Mm. By the time I get to my sophomore year in, in 2001, everything, file sharing is in the full, full spree. Now, the first file sharing client I downloaded was Kazaa. That was mm. the big one. And for those of y'all who were out there, who were outside and around at that time, know just how much of a goat that Kazaa was as a file sharing client. But it didn't just end there because there were so many of them out there. Now, when I stayed in Rollins Hall, actually, this is Rollins Hall that was the, had, had the dining hall and what we call the refect at Morgan, had also had these suites. And these suites would have uh, five rooms in them and 10, 10 suite mates in a suite with a shared bathroom, you know, four showers, four toilets, you know, four sinks, everything else. And what we had is we had uh, 10 guys in there and half of the folks in there were computer science majors. So when you want to talk about when it came to file sharing and it wasn't just file sharing through peer, like peer to peer clients, it was torrents, it was wares. So we were getting everything. So I found out about Kazaa and I knew about Kazaa from my freshman year. By the time I got to my sophomore year and my sweat, my sweet mates, I found out about Song Spy. I found out about and learned more about Audio Galaxy, which is a little bit more out there, but definitely wasn't as underground as Kazan Song Spy were. Then there were these BitTorrent sites where you can get other whole albums and movies and games. So it became an ongoing exercise within our suite to try to find the peer, the you know, the peer-to-peer network that would get you one the best quality stuff that you were looking for Facts. and the one that could down, get downloaded the fastest because you're reliant partially on not just your internet connection, but the internet connection of the user who you were downloading the file from. So we were looking for everything. It was music. It was mostly music, but then there were also times we were going to get movies and our move. <laughs> and I hate to have to Uh-oh. say this, but <laughs> our move was, and me and my roommate, the guy who I stayed with, you know, my boy, um, shout out to my boy, Rob, by the way. Um, our move was man to try to download movies and yo, it'd be nothing to be across campus in the short of your dig and be like, yo man, this is 2001. So it's like, Yo, I got that. Um, I got that training day in the crib. You know, like you know, saying try to watch it. Like training day, but it just came out of theaters, right? Yeah, I, I got it though. Like I got right. it. She's like, is it a videotape? Is it bootleg? I'm like, no, no, it's not bootleg. Like it is a file. I played it on my computer. I was like, well, we could watch it right there in the crib. Like I got it. You know, I got that training day. You know, what else was I pulling? I got that Ali. I got yo, and so it was easy. It would be like, yo, I, I now and I may or may not have I had a couple <laughs> of young ladies come up to my room to watch movies, right. you know, and just watch movies, if you know right. what I'm saying. So, right, right. but yeah, but that's what we did, man. We got peer for like we got with download music. And then if we would find the one person would find something and then you didn't have success later on, because sometimes you would download these files, you get 50 yeah. percent through 75 percent of the way through and then all of a sudden it would stop. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hold on, what happened? You know, you would leave something to download, go to class, come back. Maybe it'll be finished. Maybe it wouldn't be. So mm-hmm. we had whole albums. We had songs. And and the fall of 2001, one of the first big albums that I downloaded that was leaked was Blueprint by Jay-Z. Mm. Yes, yes. You know, another one that I found out by on, on peer-to-peer file sharing on, I think it was Kazaa, was the first time I downloaded and heard Ether. 
So yes. And that made its way through wild, like wildfire through the campus because a lot of people got on the file sharing clients and were like, yo, that new Nas track came out. Did you download it yet? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And so it created like this almost to a point where, and computers back then, I mean, you had space, but I started running out of space soon. Yeah. So then I started, I started taking like, you know, data CDs and putting these songs on CDs and burning them and ripping them. So eventually where I could free space back up on my computer so I could download more music, you know? And then eventually dominoes started to fall because then Kazaa got shut down. Song Spy, which is one of my favorite ones, got shut down. Audio Galaxy eventually transitioned to a pay network. And then another one popped up. And this is the most popular one that all you're going to remember now is LimeWire. Mm-hmm. And LimeWire stuck around for quite some time. And LimeWire became one of the most popular file sharing clients out there amongst those who were into, into downloading music. Um, and by the time I was leaving um, at that time, LimeWire was actually, I think, still going on strong. Though there is another part about this whole downloading with files on with peer-to-peer networks that you had to be careful with. And I'm pretty sure we'll talk about it a little bit later on. But when I was in college, that was a thing. Everybody were da- was downloading mm-hmm. music. And were we buying music? Hell no, because we were broke. <laughs> Our money was going towards, for the most part, if it wasn't going towards clothes, it was going towards food. It was going towards alcohol. For those of us who partook in it, it was going towards weed. So, you know, we who had money to buy music? Like, who's buying music? Okay, the CD and DVD man on the bridge at Morgan, he got it. Dude with the dreadlock CDs, DVDs, yo, I got them. You could buy it for $5 a pop, but then you could just download it on your computer mm-hmm. and save that $5 for a Nick bag. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? right. that, that is that is so true, man. You, you're taking me back because that's exactly how it was. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's funny hearing your story because you were in college and I was, you know, in the world because at that yeah. time you talk of 2000, 2000, 2001, I'm at that point, I'm married mm. and I'm a father. Dion, Mm. because we had Dion in 99, we got married in 2000, 2001, we bought our house. So Mm -hmm. I'm going through these milestones as a young man, but I'm still, you know, at this point, I'm like, I've been buying music all my, all my, my young adult life. But now this new file sharing shit, the music's Mm -hmm. free, at least in my mind, it's like, it's free. free. And so it's like, I just remember, man, and just to get kind of, you know, put it in context for those of you who weren't around for this time. Like if I, if, if the new Jay-Z album was on Kazaa, I, cause, cause I use Kazaa for a long time. And it was funny. Mm-hmm. It's, you can't see it, but I have a, I have a, a hard drive over here uh, in where, where I record at in my office and the hard drive, it, I haven't tried to turn it on in a, in a couple of years, but I'm sure if mm-hmm. it turned on, there is a file that still has music files from where I downloaded from Kazaa. Wow. And, wow. um, and I mean, these are, I mean, these are songs that are, you know, songs and albums that are already out, you know, and I have most of them already mm-hmm. or whatever. I have access to them, you know, through Spotify or whatever like that. But just mm-hmm. to give you an idea, if I'm going to download the new Jay-Z album, I, I click on the Kazaa link. And, and like Beacock said, I'm trying to find someone who has, you know, a higher speed, you know, or, yeah. or quality. And keep in mind, folks, T one, that T one connection was the money in the bank. If you if you had T one connection, man, everybody and folks, I want you to understand, T one was like having Wi Fi, but there was no such thing as Wi Fi. Wi Fi, but T one was your fastest connection. So even if I had a slower connection at my my crib, 
if somebody if I'm downloading from B Cox, he's got T1. I know that I'm gonna download this Jay Z album in about 30 minutes. Yeah. Now, if I'm on T2 or T3 and, and he's on that, then you know, I may have to start downloading the Jay Z album, go to work and come back, and it still might be downloading. It just yeah. depends because yeah, you know, everybody's internet service where everybody didn't have high speed, you know, Wi-Fi because Wi-Fi wasn't invented yet. Mm-hmm. So it it was all it was all predicated on the you know connections that you had in your computer and your your service or what have you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, B Cox touched on a great point that I want to expound on. Uh, what he said was perfect. You mm-hmm. downloaded that file, and what happened was that file is there. So let's say you download, you know, twenty songs. Let's say you download twenty different albums. Mm-hmm. What happens is your computer is going to run out of space. Yes. So a little funny thing happened. People started making or started selling blank CDs. Mm-hmm. And this concept and novelty took off like wildfire because at yeah. that point you could go to, and I'm sure you used to do the same thing. You could mm-hmm. go to your Sam Goodies or your Best Buys or Radio Shack or wherever, buy mm-hmm. 20 blank CDs and you know if you can if you have a you know thing within your hard drive where you can burn the cd you burn so the new jay-z that i just downloaded i can burn it to my cd now i have the jay-z cd and i have the free space on my computer so i don't have to worry about taking up space yeah it it, it was a time it was and it was so many albums and stuff that we downloaded that honestly we probably if we had the money, we probably would have bought. But the thing about mm. it was this much, this, this music was coming so rapidly that, you know, and I had a job, you were in college, but I had a job. I, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't spend a hundred dollars yeah. on, you know, the everybody's CD, you know, I just yeah. couldn't. Who could, who could man. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it was, that was a time, man. And, you know, like you said, file sharing Napster was the big dog. And obviously Napster went down and went once Napster went down, but, you know what it did was it opened the door for us as consumers to get access to music without having to pay for it and we'll yeah. touch on it a little later but that you know probably was the downfall of where you know music is um yeah. because there was really no recovery from it as far as the record companies were concerned um, oh yeah but yeah it's and the thing is <laughs> there was a scene in the social network the movie about mm, facebook where yes, sean yes. parker sean parker who actually also helped to create the phenomenon of napster with sean fanning and yeah. they're talking in in the cafe that they're sitting there he said you know the guy you know he's like you know i created napster like you know hey look you know we had to shut it down but we pissed a lot of people off he's like but well, we won and he was like one he said the record companies won he was like yeah you want to buy a tower records would you actually go and buy tower records now absolutely not why because nobody's going to buy music anymore Mm -hmm. so not only did it kill the record store as you have touched on in your pod this year and i have touched on in my pod i mean there are still some of them out there but Mm -hmm. you know the sam goodies the tower records the nobody beats the whiz the these are these a lot of these places aren't around anymore because the the appetite for physical consumption of some mediums of music are not there anymore and it also shook up the record industry because as uh, some of the things, you know, that we read, they were arrogant thinking that, you know, this can't happen to us, but it did. Right. And so now right. it changed the way that music, the way that music was being distributed, the way it was marketed and the way that it was consumed by the public forever. So, yeah, you, you actually going right where I wanted to go next. Uh, you know, as far as like just how much the record industry suffered from it. 
And what, what do you think as far as like how much it suffered from it? And then what it conversely, what do you think some of the positives were on the other side from file sharing? If there were so, any. So the thing about with file sharing, what it did and the illegal file sharing and downloading the music for free was one thing. But what it did was it opened up Pandora's box to consume music the way that we consume it now. I mean, look at the way that we consume music now. Apple Music, Spotify. Before that, um, you had all these different sites that you can download. AOL had AOL Music back then in the day where you could stream on a radio based on a certain genre you wanted to listen to. It did change up the way that we listen to music. The record companies got themselves in a bunch because oh that cd that used to go four five six times platinum that was now only going platinum or double platinum now because right, right. people weren't going out to buy music as much anymore when i look at some of these record numbers from some of these albums we reviewed from the 90s i'm astounded at how much i'm like yo this joint went six times platinum this went eight times platinum this is diamond you know it really was <laughs> something like wow like they were really making money hand over fist. So then when you do that, the negative consequence of this is this. The record company doesn't sell as the record stores don't sell as many records. The mm -hmm. record labels don't make as much money. What yeah. happens is that record companies' budgets get affected by marketing, by recording, by artists and development. Um, you know, A and Rs aren't necessarily more as needed because you got to pay them less. So then the negative consequence of it was. Is that the record label is always going to make sure that they make their money. So what happened is that I think some artists got shorted more. And then not only that, I think that some record labels are probably more reluctant to go out there and sign the act and take a gamble to try to sign someone and develop them. Because if that act doesn't pan out, you give them an advance of $100,000, $250,000, however much you mm -hmm. spend X amount of money recording this album, marketing this album, developing this album. And then it doesn't sell X amount of records. Well, that's a lost cause, you yes. know? And then as an artist, you're stuck into a contract where uh, I got to sort of recoup these finances that this company spent on me. Mm -hmm. So a negative impact of that is that the record companies eventually didn't make as much money as they possibly could. We know a lot of record companies folded. So yes. many of them folded. Now it's to the point where we have these major record labels, these universals, the Sonys, um, the uh the the e1 musics like that have bought so many companies have consolidated them now where media is pretty much distributed between four or five different companies now mm -hmm. and it wasn't that way back in the day because if you had a label even if it was independent because of the way we consumed music you had a good chance of making money if you had good music yes now it's <laughs> not that i mean there's only a few people distributing out there you know yeah. the the record companies now have when it comes to distributing on a major scale have cornered the market. Now here's the positive, uh, the positive influences of what this file sharing thing has done. It changed the way we consume and buy music if we buy that. And then now everything's streaming. Mm -hmm. What it did was um, it created an avenue for a whole nother set of companies for providers to be able to make music available digitally. Uh, what it did also is let folks, let the industry, record industry know they finally had to adapt from the model that they had for years. And that was the model that allowed them to screw so many artists out of money, yes. out of recording contracts that were predatory in nature, that were um, 
you know, that were so unfair that pretty much, you know, they robbed you for your publishing and of your masters and everything else. And the only thing you had left at the end of the day, even if you didn't have that was your dignity. Yeah. If you had, (laughs) if you had that. (laughs) So what it did was eventually opened up the, the possibilities of what could be done in the recording industry, because we moved from music being made available for a dollar a track on iTunes and on Napster and on all, whatever other digital, you know, uh, uh, you know, I think the other one was, was Sound, uh, well, Sound Galaxy was another one of them. Uh, oh, goodness. What was the one I'm thinking about? The real player one. I'll, I'll come back to it. But we did that and bought music online and the, the physical medium started, you know, thinning out. But then when you start, people start consuming things digitally, then it's like, uh, well, you know, now we don't necessarily need a record label to release music. You know, now if I want to, I can build a following myself. I can go viral. And if I choose to release and distribute my music myself, I can do so. So the positive consequence of this is that the record labels have some leverage still left, but not much of it. And I think that's the one thing that I think is more positive than anything else is that the artists now have tools at their disposal to take their own leverage, leverage their own fan page popularity, use their own creative agency and do the things that they want to do now more so than ever because um, of how we consume music. Because of that file sharing revolution took pretty much the music industry and brought them to their knees and made them change. And then eventually what happened is that they had to adapt to the way that things were done and it also gave the artist more creative agency to understand, well, if you if I'm paying you to distribute my music, why can't I do that myself? <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> I don't need you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So those are the positive things about it. I mean, it, it's um it's unfortunate though, because we did lose a lot of good record labels that eventually mm-hmm. suffered as a result of this change in the industry. And they got swallowed up by a lot of the big, you know, the big boys, the Sony's, the Universals. But what it has done though, it has created an avenue now. Uh, for artists to be able to take their own uh, futures into their own hands and know that they can distribute to the medium and the way that people consume music the most now, which is online. Right. That's a, that's a great man. You make some great points. I think it's, it's, it's a lot, man, because coming from that era, we saw so much and it was Mm. so much that was happening. And, you know, we really, what the, the, the picture I want to paint for those who weren't around was that like, we didn't see any harm in it. We maybe mm. call it colors being naive or whatever, but we really didn't see any harm in it. It was just the fact of like, I was thinking like, Oh man, I can get this Prince album. You know, I don't mm. have to go pay for it. I can go get it. But yeah. you know, I'm not in the end, I'm not helping Prince because you know, I'm not paying for it. And he put mm. his blood, sweat and tears into that album that it's may, may have taken him a year to do. And I uploaded it for, you know, it took me 20 minutes to upload it. And now I burned it to a CD that only cost me $10, you know, so, so I've taken money from, so it, we, we, we robbed the artists as fans really. Um, yes. But the record companies, I don't think we felt for them because we knew that they were getting over and they had been getting over for so long. Um, mm-hmm. One of the positives I can say about file sharing was it exposed me. And I'm sure you probably say the same thing. It exposed me to so many artists that I never even heard of. Absolutely. Um, case in point, like I remember, I'll never forget this. Uh, this guy, he who I used to, you know, get a lot of stuff from. He had this thing, and it just said L I A B, and 
I was like, what is that? And so I didn't know what it was. So I clicked on it and I downloaded it because it was like, it was, it's no, it said LIAB sampler. And what it was, was it was leave it all behind by the foreign exchange. I had never heard wow. of the foreign exchange. Okay. I had never heard of little brother. I didn't know mm-hmm. it, but what that did was that made me listen. And then I think at the time, that was right before the minstrel show came out, but I was able to go back and listen to the listening, their first album. Mm, and yeah. I was, when, when I say I was hooked, I was, I was trying to find every mixtape because that's, yeah. that's another thing, folks. There were not yeah. just albums. There were mixtapes. So if you didn't want to pay, for new, if you didn't want to pay for the new DJ clue mixtape, you could go on, you know, Kazaa or LimeWire or, or Napster and mm-hmm. get it. And like you yeah. mentioned, PA palace, uh, I like Go-Go. I got exposed to Go-Go when I was at South Carolina State because my roommate, one of my best friends from D.C. And mm-hmm. so moving here to Atlanta, there was one place <laughs> in <laughs> Southwest Atlanta that sold Go-Go music. And wow. then they went out of business. And I was like, yo, man, I can't find no Go-Go. And I wanted mm-hmm. to make me some CDs. And it was like, yeah. and then I found out about, I found PA Palace online. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. snap. So now I'm downloading. Go- I could, I mean, like you literally could get, if you wanted the new Travis Tritt album, you could, <laughs> you could get it. <laughs> if you wanted yeah, the new, absolutely. if you wanted the new uh, Prince album, you could, any, yeah, I mean, anything. everybody's, everybody's music was online. And mm-hmm. like you said earlier, the record companies just were like, what do you mean they're sell- they're, they're sharing music on, on the internet? Because yeah. the internet at that particular time, it mm-hmm. was, we didn't use the internet like that. The internet was relatively mm-hmm. new. Um, mm-hmm. Like a lot of people, I use the internet basically just like I get on and I, I don't even think I pay my bills on it. I would get on and get in chat rooms, you know, mm-hmm. and we get yeah, in there and true. talk trash about albums or we talk trash about sports or whatever like that. Um, yeah. You know, the internet wasn't as advanced, so it wasn't like we were playing games against each other or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I think the record companies were just really, really naive and they just didn't. I mean, this went on for the better part of what do you say about two or three years, maybe strong. Yeah, before man. This, got- yeah, well, before they got hip. I mean, I want to yeah. say really, man, the the big ones like the the file sharing clients. Some of them got shut down one by one. Mm-hmm. But I was in school and people were still using file sharing clients to download music, man. That yeah. was in two thousand and five. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and you know, and then even when most of the big ones got shut down. There were still these little, like you know, yeah, yeah. these these little sites that would be out there, these outliers out there on the fringe, BitTorrent sites and the Pirate Bay, which is you can get movies, music, whatever you want, but you know you could find them anywhere. But then it wasn't really until I would say maybe 2010 where a lot of that stuff really the, that decade from 2010 to 19 where stuff like that really got shut down. Right. Um, right. BitTorrents, file sharing clients. I'm sure there's some still out there, but probably, you know, I'm not, I'm not willing to go out there to go find <laughs> stuff because, you know, the other part about file sharing boys, boys and girls mm-hmm. is that sometimes Keep you would it. download something and it might have a virus on it. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just the risk you took though, yep. because you yep. had to understand if you were downloading a file from somebody's computer, don't know where whose computer that is. You don't know what they have on it. You don't really know what's in that file until you download it. Right. So sometimes you downloaded it, and sometimes there was a virus in there. Sometimes there were, you know, spyware, adware, tr- cracking cookies, things like that that we were completely naive about at that particular time. But right. those were some of the risks you took with file sharing. So and we didn't care. Eventually, didn't 
Yeah, and of course not. No. Now nowadays, it's like you got a lot more at risk. Now it's like I'm not going to sit there and try to download a thing for free. What is it? Five? What is it? Ten dollars? Okay, I'll pay it. No big deal. Right. 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 <laughs> I'm messing around to put a virus on my computer, and God knows how much stuff I have on this. And I'm a nah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Man. When you're a 21 year old kid, though, who cares? It, it it was mad people going to the the Best Buys and places like that trying to get their computers fixed because they had downloaded a file that had a virus. And again, like you said, you didn't know. Now, the flip side I want to ask, because, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but you were an artist at one point in time. How do you feel as an artist if if you were, let's say you were, you know, an up and coming artist at that particular time and you're trying to get your music out there. And here it is. You're putting in your time, your money, sweat. You're you're putting in your money because you're, you know, Mm -hmm. in your time. Um, And I'm in South Carolina or I'm in Atlanta. And I'm mm-hmm. taking your music. I'm like, oh man, y'all heard this new beat? Because you know how it is. If yeah. Cox got some shit that's bumping, not only am yeah. I going to download it, but I'm going to share it with my homeboy. And he All your homeboys. His homeboy. Next thing you know, boy. so it's 10 people listening to your album, but you're not getting yeah. a dime from it. So how do you feel about exactly. it from an artist's perspective? Because I, I do yeah. remember one of my homeboys, my boy Jay Fresh, I talk about a lot on my podcast. Mm-hmm. He would always say, Oh man, you robbing the artist, man. You robbing the artist, man. You need to stop that shit. You need to stop that shit. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm like, man, the artists don't care. I, you know, I was being yeah. I was being silly, but yeah, they do mm-hmm. care. So how, how do you think how do you think you would have felt yeah. as an artist, you know, going through the file sharing era? Well, man, to me, I was conflicted because as a consumer, I loved file sharing. Mm-hmm. As an artist, however, I wanted everybody if when I put out little CDs and stuff and tried to sell them like I want you to spend your money you know mm-hmm. that that's what I want to do now I was of the mindset that it was like yeah man people you know bootlegging and 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 pirating Jay-Z and Nas and Busta and Wayne and Juvie and and whoever else and Brandy and Aaliyah and whoever but they're not gonna pirate me because my music ain't gonna get pirated you know what I'm saying <laughs> like I'm a little old dude like you know burning CDs in my basement like you know what I'm saying and I'm mm-hmm. selling them I'm handwriting on them with markers you know Same before here. I got sophisticated and had the printed labels and I could actually peel off and put on the CDs and I was like you know that was fancy. I, I never made it to that level <laughs> yeah man well I, I looked but but it, it conflicts it was it's a confliction because you understand when you go out and you meet other artists and the ones who are distributing at a much larger scale than you then you understand but to me i was kind of had the mindset you know screw the record labels you know hey look you know jay-z don't really care whether i'm buying his cd well i'm sure he does but he doesn't i'm sure he won't care if a few people don't buy his cd because you know i mean now here's the other part of it as well the majority of folks who used to buy and consume music are big surprise our white brethren you know, white people used to buy buy CDs. They buy the majority <laughs> of concert tickets. Mm-hmm. So we were we a lot of us bootleg stuff. But I'm like, hey, they don't care whether or not they're missing my, you know, fourteen dollars for a CD. Like I don't care about that. But if it's my boy, you know, group I grew up with, Godzilla. If it's Odyssey, if it's some of these guys or whatever, I'm gonna buy their music. Why? Because I know, I was in their position at one point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm not gonna sit there and like, yo, I'm gonna burn you this joint. Like, yo, go out and go buy that joint. I bought yeah. it, so you buy it. Right. But if it's if it's Universal, if it's Sony, if it's whoever else, I was just like, man, screw them guys, man. I don't care. You want it? I got that Jay Z. You want it? I'm gonna burn that joint for you tonight. I got you. You know. Right. But at that point, I kind of like yo, independent guys, any guys. I right, cool. I got you. I'm gonna buy your music. I want you to buy my music. But if it was the record labels, though, I was like, man, screw them dudes, man. I was most part. I was just like, yo, I ain't gonna get a record deal. Like, I mean, I think I was one of the few artists that was kind of thinking that I was never gonna get a record deal because mm-hmm. I think I always had it in my mind that I wanted to be independent no matter what. 
even if I did meet a level of success. I wanted to be independent. I didn't care mm-hmm. about getting a record deal because you heard all these horror stories of these artists getting screwed yeah. royally in their in their recording contracts, man. So I was like, I don't want that. You know, I don't want to be hot two years and then three years later I'd be broke. You know, like nah, yeah. I, I want even if it's even if I don't make it to Jay Z status, if you know, I don't say I, I got to be gold or platinum. Yo, if I could make silver, I'll be all right for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah, that, that it, so it, 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 it's a conflict, though. It was it was a conflict. It really was. And I mean, like, it's, it's one that I battled, too, because I, I looked at it from a fan's perspective. And, and and then, you know, talking to my homeboys, you know, they they would say things like that, too. Like, man, you, you don't care about that. And I'm like, you know, I, I cared about the artist, but. Ultimately, I wanted the music because it was the mm-hmm. and the thing about it was music was just it was so much. It was it wasn't like how it was in 88 where, you know, Run mm-hmm. DMC came out and then Airbnb and Rakim came out and like they might be mm-hmm. three or four months apart. I mean, like you could have yeah. literally a new Lil Wayne mixtape come out, you know, on mm-hmm. one day and then the next yeah. week it might be the new Nas album. And then the next week it might be Snoop's new album. And then the week after mm-hmm. that, it might be Wu-Tang. And I mean, literally you could and then. A point that you made earlier, the price went up. So it went from eight ninety nine to like fourteen ninety nine. So at yeah. that point, we're like, nah, man, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'd be yeah. broke. You know, I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm married. I got a kid. I I can't mm-hmm. afford to keep. But I I love music. So you know, we kind of justified it in our minds as to yeah. why we why we were going to stay with it. You know, and then yeah, and again, nobody stepped mm-hmm. in. So when nobody stepped mm-hmm. in, as far as like the record labels, it was like mm-hmm. whatever. You yeah. know, as long as right. you know those sites were up, we were going to keep showing up. And and downloading. Yeah. Um, why why do you think the industry never really? Because I, I don't think it really recovered. Why do you think it ever never really recovered from the file sharing era? I think the industry didn't recover from the file sharing era because it's sort of like this. And I hate to have to use this analogy; it's terrible, but it's the really the only analogy that I could think about that makes the most sense. To me to explain it this way imagine that you sell drugs all right you okay. got the best drugs in the world mm-hmm. no matter what happens it doesn't matter what happens or what's happened with the economy people lose their jobs no matter what people are going to buy your drugs at some point in time you may have less people buying your drugs because some people may lose their jobs so you can't afford drugs anymore but if you're addicted you're going to find a way to keep buying drugs right that's what happens you go, you put out a product, about 10% are addicts. The rest are going to be casual supporters or casual observers or casual users. But the addicts are where you're going to make your money. So it's the same thing with music. When you have drugs and you sell drugs, your addicts are going to get you money because they have to consume the product. Then you have the people who are sort of going to be a try it once or twice. So they'll buy it here and there. But, you know, they're not really going to make a whole lot of money. You're going to make your money really off of the addicts and the people who are going to be casual buyers. And the casual buyers may spend a little bit of money at one point in time, and then you won't see them in four or five months. Mm-hmm. So th- what happened is that the record company were the drug dealers. Okay. We were the consumers. Um, they would literally put out the music. We would go and buy it and they would make money because our profit margins were high. As you said, CDs went from at one point in time being this to being, I mean, you buy a double album, a double album will cost you like some $23, for two for a double CD. You know, you might get a discount and get it like maybe at $20 for a double CD some some places. But you buy a single CD some places, depending on where you went, it was like $15, $16, Mm -hmm. you know? 
So the profit margins were high. When you introduce a supplier that is willing to give it away for free. Oh, I don't have to pay for these drugs anymore. Right. I can get them. Now, the the quality of these drugs that I might get may not be the same quality of the drugs that the drug dealer is going to give me. Bingo. But if I can still get these drugs and still get high... Jeez, I'm blowing a hundred dollars a month on hundred dollars a month or a week on drugs, and now I don't have to spend anything. Okay, am I getting as high as I was with the other one? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm not spending any money on it. <laughs> free ninety nine. So let's say that free supplier gets shut down, but the game has been changed now because somebody has said I have been able to buy drugs from this person, and they didn't charge me any money. You want me to come back and you want me to buy music from you. But I got it for free at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Why should I come back to you now? Right. So then what happens, right? When demand goes down, supply goes up. Economics, ladies and gentlemen, you have mm-hmm. to be able to keep the price competitive in order to bring people back. So that's going to drop the price down. Then all of a sudden, CDs aren't as expensive they used to be anymore. Because then when you're selling music at $1 for a track, for a single track, Nobody's buying a CD for $15 or $16 anymore. Not at all. Not when I can get the 10 best songs on the CD and buy those 10 best songs. Mm-hmm. And they cost me 10 bucks. Or if I only like three, I can buy three. Thanks. <laughs> so right. when you introduce suppliers who disrupt the market, your business will never be the same. Mm-hmm. Now, and then if you change up distribution... And the way you the way you distribute those drugs, then the old way of you being able to meet somebody up at the gas station or pass <laughs> on the street or stand on the corner. Like I always tell people, yo, like, yo, it, it the way that it is, the game is now, like, you know, it used to be you would stand on the corner to sell your drugs. Right. You don't do that anymore. Nope. Same thing with the music. You don't you don't go put your music in the store and say, hey, go buy my album. <laughs> like, nah. As a matter of fact, the way that you get music nowadays, you could never step in another music store another day in your life. Mm-hmm. And you could find a way to find out about an album coming out and consume it mm-hmm. and listen to it over and over and over again. They never recovered because the game changed when people started offering it for free. And then the consumers got hip and said, well, you're selling this before what you sold for $16.99. Now you're offering it for $9.99. It's cheaper now? <laughs> I wonder why that is. Right. So we got hit, man, after a while. So the profit margin shrunk. Like we said, man, we lost a lot of labels, man. A lot of labels got got eaten up by a lot of the big labels. So now you only have a few major labels out there that are doing distribution. Like that's what the big labels offer. They offered you distribution, but it wasn't just distribution. Now the dollars are bigger. So now we're going to offer marketing, but then that game changed too, because when you found out that people weren't watching rap city or weren't watching the box and weren't watching video solar planet groove or teen summit or pick the video show that you want to pick one Oh six and park. I mean, now, oh, people can go on Facebook and find out about my album. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's sites like Hip Hop DX and The Source Now does their magazine online and Double XL's their magazine online and Complex and everything changed. 
So they never recovered because the way we bought changed. Our purchasing habits changed because once we found out we could get it for free and we saw the way how they moved, it was like, okay, well, I got this for free before. And not only that, but I really like this song by Lil Wayne, but I don't know if I want the rest of this album. (laughs) You know, I can buy these four or five songs and I'll be good. You know, mm-hmm. why not? Yeah. I mean, so it's the record industry never, never because the way that they move their product change. Yeah. And as a result of that, the demand for the type of product they were moving, our appetite for it definitely changed. And as a result of that, their best selling product became null and void. Mm-hmm. It was like that article you sent me about the, uh, you know, the, the guy, basically the one that started a whole bunch of this shit, you know, yeah. the, um, <laughs> It's uh, the guy who brought the record industry down. They call yeah, him Benny uh, Glover. Benny, Benny um, Glover, yep. I'll, I'll yeah, put it, Benny I'll put Glover. In the show and, notes. Yeah, and, and so they said basically when the feds eventually ended up raiding them that they left that duffel bag full of CDs because they said it, it was basically worthless. Mm-hmm. wasn't worth anything. <laughs> you know, yeah. so the, we weren't consuming the products like that. So the industry fell, man, because we stopped buying the product. As it as it was, we consumed the product in a different format, you know, yeah, in a you're, different you're right. format. You're right. It, it, it everything changed, and and they never really recovered. And just to piggyback off mm-hmm. of some of what you said, I mean, like they, the industry, I think the music industry died because they operated under a mindset of oh they'll come back, you know, mm-hmm. they're they're consumers, you know, we like you said we're the big we're these big record labels. You know, we've gobbled up smaller record companies. We've pushed them out the door. We've, you know, created, you know, many monopolies. And so mm-hmm. now, okay, well, what else they're going to do? You know, music has been around since the day of time. And it, I mean, since the beginning of time. So, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like we were going anywhere. But right. I think what happened was, was in the midst of them having that mindset and thinking that the people were just going to come back. We did come back. I mean, we mm-hmm. obviously because we we need the music, but. Also, what changed was our demands as far as what we thought was okay, because the record the record mm-hmm. company says, okay, well, hey, well, we're, we'll shut down these sites. You know, we'll make the music available for you. We'll we'll put it, you'll you'll be able to you you can buy ringtones. <laughs> ah, ringtones. Shout out to the ringtones. Oh can, man, what an you can era. buy ringtones. You don't even have to buy yeah. an album. You can just buy this rapper's ringtone, and when your phone rings, it'll make this sound or whatever, whatever. And mm-hmm. what happened was we got so cool with that, that our demands for the quality of music to sound a certain way, to look a certain way for our artists to be a certain yep. way that fell yep. way off. So mm-hmm. it was just like, okay, they were just like, okay, Hey, we're just going to give it to you, give it to you, give it to you. And yep. what happened was, you know, the product became so watered down. Like, you yes. know, I remember people always complaining about, you know, man, they don't play real hip hop on the radio. And I, I, you know, full disclosure, I stopped listening to the radio. I haven't listened to mm-hmm. terrestrial radio probably in a, the better part of 15 years, maybe longer than mm-hmm. that. But, you mm-hmm. know, oh man, they don't play real hip hop on the radio. Well, you guys don't request real hip hop, you know, so they're going to keep playing the same, yeah. you know, the same five songs, the Migos mm-hmm. and, and whomever else, you know, Lil Baby, Lil Fart, Lil Squirt, all of them. Yeah. And so they're going to keep playing that over and over again. And they're going to turn the tape Mm -hmm. over. They're going to play it again. And so the demand for the quality of music shifted. So we stopped demanding that, you know, and and so I know like 
and I'm sure you get this a lot because people listen to your podcast and they think, oh, oh man, well, you know, you guys talk about those albums in the 90s and the 80s like they were just so great. You know, they just sound pretty simple to me. Well, it's not so much about the simplicity of the album, but it's just mm-hmm. the fact that you're listening to a Run DMC album and the album is complete all the way through. You know, yes. yeah, there might have been a song or two that, you know, you probably could skip. But for the most part, you're mm-hmm. listening to an album, you know, that mm-hmm. is complete all the way through. There's, you know, there's there's highs and lows in the album. There's, you know, songs that make you get up. There's songs that inspire you. There's songs that, you know, radio friendly, mm-hmm. so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. Same for Nas, mm-hmm. same for Jay-Z, on down the line, Wu-Tang, whomever. And mm-hmm. I think what happened was, was that that got lost. And so then they just started saying, hey, we're just going to give you whatever. And so the consumer... Right. Was just like okay, well, you know, we'll take it because it's so much. I I, I kind of refer to the music industry mm-hmm. now as the buffet. Yes. It's the ultimate buffet. Yes, you know, it. Oh man, everything that is a great is, analogy. Everything is readily available. Yes. It's at the touch of a button. You know, so you can, you know, like we were talking a little earlier. My my kids, my sons. No, they don't know. I've exposed them to the music that we talk about. And they're mm-hmm. very insulated with that music um, and they love it, you know, but mm-hmm. they don't understand the concept. Like my, our middle son, Cameron, he's in college. He's a sophomore and he's just now getting into vinyl. So like yeah. Christmas, I bought him some vinyl and then he bought, mm-hmm. he bought a, uh, what did he buy? He bought like, um, he bought Stevie Wonder's uh, songs in the kid life the other day. And he's texting nice. to me, he sent me a picture of it. And so I'm telling him like, look, yeah. Albums like that. I was like, they don't make music like that anymore because one, mm-hmm. the, and that's, it's not to say that the artists aren't talented anymore, but it's just, we don't apply the pressure of, Hey, you gotta be dope. You gotta come with it yes. because here's the thing, you know, we'll, mm-hmm. <laughs> we as fans, and, and I'm not speaking for me and you, cause I know we're not like this, but fans will get excited over a snippet, you know, Lil Wayne in the <laughs> studio, you know, yeah. the snippet of him <laughs> playing a track with Drake. Oh man, a new Wayne coming out. And everybody will be yeah. so hyped up about it and the album will come out and mm-hmm. they'll play it and they'll talk about it for a day or maybe two days or maybe a, maybe a week. And then mm-hmm. after that, it's, it's all gone. And, and it's just because you're at the buffet. It's just like, okay, what's next? Yeah. You know, we, we never right. looked at our artists and said, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, that, that Thriller yeah. album, that Thriller album, it was mm-hmm. okay. It was okay. It was okay. Right. What you got next? No, because right. what happened yeah. was when Thriller came out, we thought that that was, all it was ever coming out. Like we didn't know when the next yeah. album was coming out. You had to mm-hmm. you know, cherish That's it. it man. It's, it's like a good steak. You want to cherish it. You want to relish every yeah. bite of it. Um, Enjoy but no, that's, that's, it. Yeah. Exactly. That's what the uh, music industry has been. It's been a buffet. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of it, a lot of it's been from the downfall from file sharing. But I, I and I yeah. won't put it all on, I won't put it all on the record labels. I'll put it also on fans because we didn't say, look, you got to give us something better. Because we yeah. because we got more in abundance, the product got watered down and we were just okay with what was being given to us. And, you know, it hasn't gotten any better. Yeah. Music used to be like a good cigar. And I'm, mm. I'm a cigar smoker. And my, my older age, I've been able to enjoy nothing more than I enjoy on a good afternoon, especially outside with a good bourbon and a cigar. It go. used to be something that you could sit and enjoy. And now... It's like black a mile, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's what it's like now. Instead of it being a good cigar that you have to sit and enjoy, it's a black a mile. You smoke it, put it out, and it's like, all right, next joint, go ahead and yep, get the next yep. blackout, yep. unwrap it and smoke it. And 
the reason being is a couple of things. I think file sharing is a result. This is a result of file sharing. But with the consolidation of labels, labels didn't stop to be able to give you the time or the budget to really develop a good quality album. Now it's mass consumption. Um, Most of the folks I know, like when we go on vacation, if we're at at a resort and there's a buffet, like an all-inclusive, people will be like, you know, well, I don't really like that type of stuff. Like I, I get it, you know, but you have to understand The food is being prepared for mass consumption. Mm -hmm. When you do that, at times, the quality is going to suffer because it's for mass consumption. You need the most amount of food and the shortest amount of time for the most amount of people. When when eventually the industry saw that we stopped going away from quality and just went on to production and consumption as fast as we possibly could, the quality suffered. And then as a result, we didn't stop to enjoy things. Like, I'll give you a couple of examples. We've talked about Jay-Z 444 a couple mm-hmm. of times, you and I on Twitter. We've, you know, talked about it. Um, I, I listened to it. I remember when it first came out. And I remember how big the buzz was of it when it first came out. And I listened to it the first time. And I said, you know what? I'm going to give myself some time. I'm going to listen to it. It's like two or three days later, I'll listen to it again. That last time that I listened to it was the last time that I listened to it. <laughs> and that was like four years ago. Same. You know, now people have different opinions about 444. I, I tend to think that uh, I don't have as high a regard for it as many people do. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's just okay. Um, I think that, you know, there are some highlights on there. I think that, you know, Jay has some bright spots. No ideas of production wise is a bright spot. But to me, it's not nearly as big as some people I know that they big it up to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. But I, I do feel like that sort of stayed in the consciousness maybe a little bit longer than others only because it was Jay-Z. Right. But other than that, by the end of that summer, we were on to the next thing. Um, then I'll also go on to something else. This past fall, uh, Silk Sonic released their debut album. Silk Sonic mm. being Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars. We know how big it was, Leave the Door Open was when it came out. And then they came out with Skate. And then eventually they released right before they released. They did the Smoking Out the Window. That came out. And this is an album that was nine tracks. Featured Bootsy Collins. Like a slamming, slamming project. Really just awesome. Um, I listened to it. I listened to it for maybe a week. And then I stopped listening to it. Now, it wasn't that it wasn't a good project. Mm-hmm. I thought it was exceptional. Um, I said that the first day it came out. I said, man, this is a, um, this is one of the best projects of the year. But ask me how many times I've listened to it since that week. You're probably not going not back a lot. to it. <laughs> you know, and I probably may not. I mean, maybe a once in a while I'll get a hankering for it if I want to hear a particular sound. But for the most part, though, it's just the nature of how it is. Once we got into consumption and production at a higher rate, just give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Mm-hmm. And quality suffered, man. We didn't stop and enjoy music anymore, Mm-mm. you know? And I think that grew as a result of, oh, shoot, they can download all this music for free. Oh, they're getting all these releases coming out. It's getting leaked two weeks before it comes out. Quick, we have to come up with stuff. Quick, it needs to be something new. Quick, it needs to be something fresh and hot and exciting. And people get excited about it. And the excitement lasts for like some people only last for a week or two. And then after that, it's like, all right, what's the next thing coming out? What's the next thing coming out? Not even on the timeline anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Not even on the timeline anymore. Mm -hmm. Talk about it. Goodness. No, man. (laughs) It's, 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 it comes and goes. 
Yeah, it comes man. and goes. And I, I remember just even using an artist like Kendrick Lamar uh, mm. when his damn album came out. I remember people just, you know, fawning over it. And it was a great mm-hmm. album. Yeah. But I just remember some people like, man, I wonder what he's going to do next. I'm like, bro, yeah. his album just dropped. Like, just what do you came mean? out. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then you have the fans that are like, man, Kendrick, he, he he's taking too long to come out. No, he's probably doing, he's doing what he saw his predecessors do. You know, yeah. you drop an album, you tour mm-hmm. for a year, you take a, yeah. take some time to let it sit, and then you get back mm-hmm. in the studio in a couple more years, and then you can do it all over again. You don't yeah. have to, you don't have to, well, and Kendrick's obviously a different case because he's at a level of superstardom that most people aren't, so he doesn't have to do that. But, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you take somebody like, even somebody as popular as Kanye, you know, yeah. he'll drop an album and then like, okay, here's another album six months later. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you're not even giving people back to the buffet thing. You're mm-hmm. not even giving people yeah. a time to consume the food that's on their plate yeah. before you're pushing more food in front of them. Yeah. And they get full and just like anybody else, what you gonna do? Push the plate away. Yeah. You're gonna push you the go. plate back and, and sit back and be like, all right, I'm full. Right, I'm, I'm good. good. I'm good. I'm good. I'll do something yeah. else. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, man. Oh goodness. And yeah. so we went. We went yeah. from file sharing to to streaming. Now we, I know you guys have talked about this on your podcast before too. Uh, how, how much do you think streaming has? Do you think streaming has helped or hurt the industry? I think streaming has helped the industry from a certain respect. Um, I still think there's a problem with equity when it comes to artist compensation when it comes to streaming we've seen this you've seen the numbers show up on twitter you see like you know apple music uh what does it what the pay per stream amount is based on these different providers some of them are criminally low i mean it's like you know oh great this person just had a million streams this past week okay what does those a million streams equal out to right you know artist a single goes you no know, diamond like I've, I've just listened to a couple of like artists that went diamond, their singles went diamond. And it's like, what does that even mean anymore? Cause like people aren't right. buying this music. Like some folks may buy the single for a dollar, but I mean, what does going platinum even mean anymore? You know, it's streaming. It's not streams because y'all are paying less than one cent for streams. Some cases, <laughs> you know, right. so it's in some cases, I think there's still a problem with artist equity from a, from an accessibility standpoint. I think this is where it's helped. It has allowed the discovery of some, like you said, like file sharing did it with you, brought you onto the foreign exchange, eventually brought you to little brother, or brought you to the listening. Right. Streaming has found a way in a lot of these sites like Spotify and Pandora, get you into artists and songs and albums that you may have never listened to before because of the way that you consumed music. The what streaming has done now is made listening to music so easy. Where before you had to take the packaging off the CD or the tape, <laughs> take it out of the the packaging, put it into the tape deck or into the CD player, press play, press pause, press stop, rewind. Now listening to music is as easy as going to Apple Music or Spotify, pulling up a playlist, pulling up an album, pressing play, and that's it. Look at the, how we put out our podcast. I mean, it's as easy as going to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or iHeart or Stitcher. It's so easy for you to be able to discover things nowadays where it's it's almost like being in a garden of lots of good fruits and vegetables. You know, mm-hmm. some of them are going to be rotten, but, you know, right. for the most part, you can find some good stuff out there. You know, 
Right. You can find some good stuff out there. That so is so true. That's the good thing about streaming and a respect that you can discover so many different things. I've found so much music that I've put on with playlists. You put on an artist playlist and stream for a uh, type of music you're listening to. I've just discovered everything from new jazz music to, and that I didn't know about before to reggae to soca music, calypso, um, bossa nova, and not even to mention hip hop and R&B. You know, there's a lot of things you find out about things on, on the streaming. And I think I got to thank definitely being on Apple and Spotify for a big part of my day when I work, either listening to podcasts, listening to music for helping me do that. Now, the artist equity thing still has to we still got to find a way to do that, man, because there's something wrong. If Spotify is paying someone hundreds of millions of dollars to podcast and the reason why most people are on Spotify and the first reason for music why artists can only get X amount of money per stream. I mean, we got to find a way to fix that, man. We have to find a way to fix that. But Spotify and streaming has helped me find a lot of good music. A lot. Yeah, I agree. Thousand percent. It's exposed me to a lot. You know, I have, uh, I pay for Spotify and, um, you know, I've just now really probably in the last year or two started getting into, you know, creating playlists and stuff like that, just stuff that I want, you know, if I'm going to the gym, stuff I want to hear, whatever the case may be, or even listening to people's mm-hmm. playlists. Uh, I do miss, you know, having my CD tower, you know, and then you just mm-hmm. come in here and you, you see a CD. Oh man, you know, man, I ain't heard that freeway in a minute. Let me pop that in. Yeah, you know, I miss mm-hmm. that. And I think that's yeah. where, where streaming kind of, you know, I don't want to say bothers me, but it, it it's, it's indifferent for me because Sometimes you would go to that CD tower and you would pull a CD just because you haven't heard that CD in a while. And I think mm-hmm. with with uh, streaming services, you're not going to do that. So there's going to be some music that you have access to, you know, that you may or may not ever go back to. And it's not because right. not it's not because the music is bad. It's just there's so mm-hmm. much music that that's available. Again, right. you're back at the buffet. You know, you're you're at the buffet. buffet. You're you're yeah. looking at the meat. You know, like man, yeah. all right, I don't need no mashed potatoes. I, I got. Nah, I'm let, good. Me, let me get get a piece of this steak here. Let me get some yeah. chicken. Let me get some baked chicken. You know, yeah. and next thing you know, you just got you know a plate full of meat, and you yeah. and you don't have no kind of greens or nothing. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> and so um, balance you know, the plate out. Right. You know, so it's like, so it's 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 different. It's yeah. really different, and it, it's it's changed how we we listen to music and like you mentioned podcasts me with us being podcasters we listen to a lot of podcasts so mm-hmm. you know i have my points in the day where i'm like okay i've listened to enough podcasts or i've listened to i have my scheduling as far as the podcast that i listen to and mm-hmm. then i'm like okay i need to hear some music okay let me yeah. listen to run dmc okay let me listen to jay's let me listen to not let me listen to outcast or mm-hmm. whatever like that and i'm trying and what i try to do and it's something i do consciously i try not to listen to the same music that i've heard like if i've heard Nas this week. If I listen mm-hmm. to Illmatic today, I'll probably don't need to listen to it on Friday. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I need to, you know, and I try, but it's it's just because I don't have that CD tower in front of me anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, kids, for those of you listening, we used to have CD towers. And yeah. like B Cox mentioned <laughs> earlier with the CD book, we yep. graduated from the CD book to the CD towers, which was these huge towers that where we put our CDs in, and you could just yeah. physically see the CD. But you know, yeah. you, now you have your CD in your phone. And mm, right. you don't have to go to Best Buy. If you want to buy an album, you know, you can buy it on your phone and you don't ever have to leave the comfort of your home. And, yeah. um, you know, things have changed. And I don't, you know, the music industry, I titled this podcast, you know, when music died, music industry died. 
and it did die you know it's mm-hmm. it's it's still dying really and i don't really know if there's anything that we can do to resuscitate it it's just we've kind of adapted to where it is yeah and it would take a lot to move it back to where it could be um right. if you will yeah um yeah no, did you want to say something no, I, I think one thing about with with streaming, what it what it does is that now making playing music is so easy. I mean, shoot, now you can bring music to with you places you never could before. Mm. I mean, uh, case in point, uh, we were on we were on my honeymoon in Jamaica. Um, I have a Bluetooth speaker I bring with me, and it's a water it's a waterproof Bluetooth speaker. You could actually bring it with you. Some folks who want to listen to music in the shower, which always kind of tripped me out because, you know, <laughs> I never really I don't need to listen to music while I'm, you know, while I'm right, in the shower. Right, but some right. people do. But, you know, you can bring it to you at the pool or, you know, put it in the shower. So we were at the beach and we went to go sit out on the beach. She said, you know, bring the Bluetooth speaker with you. So we sat out there and as we sat on the, you know, on the on the chair with the covering on it and sat out and chilled and, and we'll listen to music out there with the Bluetooth mm-hmm. speaker. I mean, it makes it so easy to be able to before you had to, you know. You had to have bring a, a, a boom box out with you. You know what I'm saying? A portable music water player. You get, you get yeah, shot. <laughs> exactly. Or if you had a phone back in the day when it had in most when most phones, some of them still do have headphone jacks. When you put it in the headphone jack and plug it into some speakers, you just now started being able to connect them uh, through Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. But now you can literally take music where you with you wherever you go. Wherever and you it's go. nothing for you to pull up your phone and be like, hey, let me let you listen to this real quick. You know, it's nothing. It's not like, hey, you got a CD player, you got a tape player. Like, no. But now you can play music so easily now. So that's what I love about it. Now I can listen to music in my car, at work, at home, and use different devices to listen to them through and not have to worry about going to find something to play it on. Though I will say, these last few years, vinyl's been making a comeback, and I'm glad that it has been, and it's popularity. Mm-hmm. To where now people are starting to collect again, and now you have people like there are so many pieces like vinyl collectors items out there that, and the stores are starting to actually become a lot more popular nowadays. These vinyl stores, and you know, I like to see that because if it's one thing that I think out of all the mediums, man, you can listen to a good tape, a good CD, even digitally, but to me, man, there's nothing like listening to music on vinyl. Nothing. You know, nothing. nothing. That sound is a sound that you cannot replicate on any digital medium whatsoever. None. Right. And you know what's crazy? I was mentioning, you know, my our son, he he had been talking about getting, you know, starting to get vinyl or whatever like that. So what happened was, as fate would have it, we bought him a vinyl player, you know, a record player for Christmas. And his girlfriend did, too. So he had two. So he's like, so I'm like, man, what you going to do? I was like, you going to, you know, you going to take one back? I was like, if you need to take it back, you can take it back. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, dad, I'm going to take, it's like, I'm going to take one with me to school and I'll leave the other one here. And so I was like, all right, I'll say, so what you gonna do? You gonna leave it in your room? He's like, yeah. So he left it in the room. So I'm thinking, you know, mm-hmm. crazy me. I'm thinking, oh man, I was like, man, you know what? I can go in there and play some of his, some of his, his uh his vinyl. And I didn't think that he'd take the records with him to school. So he took the records to school. So wow. there's a vinyl player here with yeah. no records. And I was like, man, you know what? I probably need to go buy a couple just for yeah. myself. And then I was like, you know what? If I start buying vinyl. Oh uh, boy, be, watch out. Why because our because that's what we grew up on, man. Yeah. And, you know, that like you said, that sound, that crackling sound of a yep. record being put down for the first time, mm-hmm. it, it you you can't put a price tag on that. It, it is such, such a all. dope sound. Mm-hmm. But um, but I'm with you. I'm I'm all for it. And I was explaining to him, you know, like 
I was like, yeah, you're going to look for some records that you won't find. I was like, because mm-hmm. everybody's not pressing vinyl. I said, yeah. you're, you'll see now that some companies are, some some artists are for certain albums or whatever. Mm. I was like, but, you know, if, I said, if you want to try to find something, you can't find it, let me know. I said, I'll try to find it for you. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it, it's about to be uh, his expensive habit, which was going to nice. be expensive for me because I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm going to end up buying some stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, good stuff, though, man. Good before stuff. we get out of here, man, please tell the folks where they can find you, where they can find a podcast, man. This has been dope, man. We 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 definitely gonna we definitely gonna have you on again, man. Cause we, you know, me and you, we can talk music all, all day. day long. <laughs> all day long, man. This is what I do. This is what I do, man. But definitely, of course, thank you for having me on again. I love Anytime. being on here. I love talking music with you. We definitely gotta have you on the pod again for another review this year. Sure. As I said, y'all, Kyle. For the stakes is high one is definitely within my top five to seven downloads. Listen, y'all love the episode. So thank y'all for listening. And thanks to Kyle for coming on. But where you can find us? Well, first, I'll start with my social media channels. You can follow me on personally on social media at its lesson on Twitter and also on Instagram at ITS lesson on Twitter and Instagram. You can catch me there. You can also catch me on Instagram um, on the pod at vault classic pod. That's at Vault Classic Pod on Twitter, at Vault Classic. And if you lose track of any of those, just go to vaultclassicpod.com. That's the website. And you'll be able to get to my Instagram, to my Twitter, to my YouTube page, to my Facebook page. I have a private Facebook community for fans and fans only. So we do a couple of things in there. We got a couple of interactive things we're going to be doing later on this year. But it's all at vaultclassicpod.com. Go ahead and get there. You can follow me on social media. All the links are there. All the episodes are there and you can leave a review. And if you're tempted to do so, you can also go there and leave a voicemail message and leave a message just for the show. Let us know what you think. And I'll even play some of them on a couple of my shows if I'm tempted to do so. So vaultclassicpod.com. You can get the social media and all the episodes right there. No doubt. No doubt. Well, you guys have been listening long enough. You know where to find me if you don't. (laughs) <laughs> you can find you can find a 12 Kyle podcast on any podcast reader. Uh, the podcast drops every Thursday at midnight uh, without fail. Uh, make sure that you subscribe because from time to time this year we'll be dropping new podcasts on and bonus episodes on Sundays mm-hmm. at midnight as well. And uh, the Vault Classic podcast drops every Monday, correct? Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Monday time. 9 a.m. Without fail. Yep. <laughs> Without fail. Uh, so you yeah. guys know, and you can you can catch this YouTube channel, youtube.com. Spell it out. T-W-E-L-V-E-K-Y-L-E. Um, so the video's here on the YouTube channel. Uh, so that's going to do it for us. When the music died, I got my boy B. Cox in the building. Uh, make sure that you, like I said, hit him up on social media and check out the, this, this uh, podcast because Again, I'm not just saying it because he's here. It's one of my favorites, and I listen religiously every week. And um, they got that, some man. dope shit, man. So you, anytime yeah. you you listen to the dope stuff, you want to have dope people around. Uh, like I said, I'm gonna definitely have him back on. Uh, but that's gonna do it for us. So for my man B Cox, I'm your boy Twelve Kyle. We'll catch you guys next time. Five G's.